0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Copcast Podcast. You're probably see or hear that we don't have any see you'll probably hear that we don't have any like intro music or anything. Um our, our technician in the rainforest is having some issues. So young Andrew has been kind enough to put these out. Um so yeah, we're still doing our best. Um a bit like the Reds with good days and bad days and on Sunday was a good day, and to discuss that good day, I've got I've got Chief in Don Nagal and I've got Beryl Akis in the Netherlands. Now Beryl, <laughs> if anybody listened last week, they'll know I wasn't going into this game with any sort of sense of optimism or expectation at all. Um but uh we were really good. Um it's by far the best we've played this season. And it almost makes, as good as it was, it almost makes me even more frustrated because you can see that it's still within this team to go out and perform like that and deliver performances like that and get results like that. So where has it been? What has changed? Is it simply like, is it simply a motivation thing? Is that is that where we are?
1: I, I think it's it's probably a combination of things. I, I think the, the the motivation comes into play. Um, you know, w- we are not having the best of times in the league this season. Uh, and we lost uh, last week against Arsenal. I, I think, you know, we didn't uh, have our best game because, you know, our best game was this week. But, yeah, even uh, our best game until that moment. Uh, and, and I think... We we should have at least have a, 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 a got a point there because you know all of the circumstances that uh, you know contrived to to to, uh, to get that uh, uh, Arsenal win. So you know I think that we were um, more motivated. Also, you know we have changed things. Uh, I think for the better. Um, Plus, maybe, and this is not the most optimistic view on on things. Um, you know, m- maybe if you're if you're a boxing fan, you you remember uh, Muhammad Ali in his in his latter years. Uh, you know, he, he 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 was you know older, uh, not as quick a, as he uh, used to be anymore, etc. But um, um, th- there's this wonderful movie about uh, him uh, against uh, a very much younger and m- more powerful George Foreman, uh, with the, you know the so-called Rumble in the Jungle, in which yes, uh, when uh, we the-
0: were kings, isn't yeah, that it? too. that's, ones. Two. that's the
1: one. Yeah, with Norman Mailer and you know all of these these uh, really good journalists, and uh, you know it, it's it's a wonderful movie, and I I, I love to, to to watch it every now and then. But you know, if you, if you watch that uh, that boxing match back, then you see, um, you know, uh, Muhammad Ali not not being the, his attacking self, but you know, take, taking a battering, but you know, taking it really relatively, um, you know, consciously, and and just waiting for his chance, and then when the chance is there, he takes it and he he punches his his, uh, you know, at least nominally um, more powerful opponent out. And maybe that's that's a metaphor. You know, I, 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 I would love to think that we are still the same team that, that, you know, almost had the quadruple last season. And, you know, we, we can't be the total opposite of that um, within a few months. But, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, the, the evidence would... Suggest otherwise, uh, you know. I I, I I want to be optimistic about it, and I want to give credit where it's due. It it was a wonderful game. I think we did um, very well to, to you know against this behemoth of a team, uh, and, uh, and and this you know um, you know w- with the uh, with their center forward uh, scoring more hat tricks than, uh, than than other score goals. Um, I think we did very well um and you know the future will show if this is a blip um or if it's you know the turnaround
0: yeah chief it's i don't know it's something i've been wondering for a few years now we've we've kind of it's been a while since we really had the better of city you know two eights last year um you know the the two draws to we draw against him at the Elliott last year did it beat us? I can't even remember anymore no. what, what is it I'm pretty sure it was two draws yeah two draws you know you know
2: one of those wins and that's what's that's what wins the league yeah
0: um
2: and you know I think that's I think that's massively on their minds not necessarily going on to win the league this season although it's it's not quite beyond the realms it's it's a it's a it's a long shot, but it's not beyond the realms. But to to go toe to toe and head to head, funny how uh, different parts of the body and it's the, the same meaning basically. Um, um, with with a team like City who who are inflated, who do have a massively unfair advantage against the rest of of the league, um, who do have. Multi, multi, multi million pound players In every position Yeah,
0: because, and be that as it may though Chief Be that as it may
2: When we so have gone toe to, go to, to, to go, go toe But that's what I mean To go toe to toe with them And and lose out Twice, not just once, but twice By one single point And to know Just as we do That if if we'd just beaten them If we'd just fucking bloodied their nose If we'd just if we just stepped it up one more gear against them and made sure made that win count, so I think that's massively in their minds, and I think it's 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 much easier for us for, for the team to to get up for a game against City because they want that they want yeah. they want to beat them they want to show them that you know what fuck you we're as good as you if not better
0: yeah and but what we did
2: Chief, what we did, know, Chief, what we did I thought on Sunday was
0: we kind of reverted back to that kind of, you know, 17, 18 sort of tactical approach against Manchester city where we would just murder them on the break. Yeah. I think we we would let them have, we would let them have most of the ball. Like I think, was it, did we have 35, 30, some 30 something percent possession? Um, you know, we don't really dominate the ball. We've, we've seen us pin City in for, you know, extended periods of time, something that no other team is able to do to them. But ultimately, it never really reaped the same results as when we were that raw electric team that just ripped them to shreds and exploded every weakness that they had in behind. And I think we saw a bit of a return to that on Sunday.
2: Yeah, a little bit. I think I, I know exactly what you're getting at. Um, I think that there were, I mean, in the end, the possession was highly in their favour, but I think we played, we almost played more like that in the second half. Uh, There were periods, there was a a 10-minute period in the first half with, uh, I think, from, what, maybe 8 to 18 or 10 to 20, something like that, when they flashed the graphic up and even Gary Neville Said on, on the commentary on Sky You know City started this game off really well But for the last 10 minutes Liverpool have been boss in possession I think it was 70-30 in our favour At that point for the, Just for the 10 minutes possession you know, And obviously over the whole game it, um, it reverted back and City had more of the ball But I'll tell you what City are fucking wide open on the break They're absolutely wide open And there's other teams have exploited that Lesser teams than us have exploited that The great effect this year And we were talking about it last week Newcastle Newcastle should have walloped them, and every goal they scored was getting in behind and just tearing away and go go go. Palace did the same to them and should have had a third, controversially chalked off. And uh, of course, there's no bias. It's just it, it all evens itself out. But again, another one in their favor, um, which you know ultimately led them, led to them coming back and winning that game. And they've gotten off the hook a few times this season, going goals behind, and not just one. We've been going one behind, and not being sometimes not being able to come back to certainly not to win those games, and sometimes not even to draw. Generally, we get get the draw out of it, but it's been flagged up as a problem for us because we're not getting the wins. They've gone behind countless times. Well, you can't count them, but in in a, a season that's only had what ten or eleven games for them. Um, they've gone behind in at least four of their games, which is is pretty unlike them. They're usually a team that comes out, scores in the first five minutes, and goes from there. Or if they haven't scored by half time, it gets a bit it gets a bit hairy for them. Um they're not the team that goes two one, two goes behind week in, week out and comes back to win. They've been doing that this season. Um so I think clubs. There's a couple of things but I think the, the major thing is Klopp's looked at this season, looked at City's performances, looked at, at at how teams have had success against them and he's employed his tactics pretty much spot on uh, and his workforce. Yeah, some good performances
0: in there amongst that as well. they all, I think, um, you know, Gomez, much maligned this season. Um, it's almost like He's coming back after a really, really bad injury. Um, and he's been out for just and hasn't played football in like about fucking 15 years. Do you know? But that was that performance did come a bit from nowhere. Um, people have been talking about Milner. I I actually don't mind Milner at right back. He obviously doesn't give you what Trent gives you, but he's up and down there. People were frightened uh um, about Food going up against him. But you know, it was a few years ago that I had said when we were scrambling around for 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 you know reserve fullbacks before we signed him, I I would have just been saying to Milner, listen, do you know what you're going to do this year? You're not playing midfield at all. You'll just drop in right back, left back whenever we need a bit of rest or a bit of cover or a bit of an injury. So he does okay, and I'm happy with that. But Gomez's performance is absolutely excellent, and it looks like a it looks like a performance filled with self confidence. Whereas beforehand, he looked like he was second
1: guessing everything that he did yeah you know um if you, if you look at that um that performance in isolation you 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 could only conclude one thing and that you know he was magnificent he was um you know up against one of the best uh forwards uh, at this moment a, a forward that is is in in in, in enormous form um You know if if that's uh, a valid thing to say, but you know what I mean. Uh, And and, you know um, his last um, uh, the the last time that he was a center uh, central defender for us was uh, against Napoli, and and that was not a very good game. So um, after that, I've seen Napoli play against other teams, and they rip every team into shreds. So maybe it wasn't. It wasn't Joe as much as it was, you know, uh, Napoli and uh, and us not being prepared for for them. But, um, you know, I I, I was myself clamoring for for him to play right back and and give Trent a rest, a mental rest more than a a, a physical rest, I would say. And uh, he he needed to play after Trent um, uh, got injured. And I thought he did very well against Rangers, but you know, it was Rangers and then, you know, you, you see the news about, uh, and I was really happy that Ipu was was back because Matip got injured um, and then you hear Konaté uh, is, uh, is injured and oh god, now we have to play Gomez who isn't, you know, the, the, the best header of the ball because he lacks a bit of physicality in that department. And that means that we need to play Milner at right back. I, I was one of those people who thought, oh my God, they, go, they are going to rip us into shreds. Um, but they didn't and they couldn't because we played really well. And um, um, Milner was really well protected. And that had also had to do with uh, Joe Gomez, I think. And um, um, him being perceived as uh, as the lesser of the central defenders, uh, I think, um, Haaland tried to to you know play on him, but you know he didn't get anything out of him. And it, it, I thought it was magnificent. And I, you know I have hope. He he's a really nice kid. Uh, I haven't you know I, there there hasn't been a, a moment that I uh, thought anything about his personality or you know the way he plays uh, that isn't positive. Um, yeah, he, he hasn't always performed, but it also had a lot to do with, with you know the, the bad luck and all the injuries. Um, and I would wish for him to, to, to stay fit and not go to the World Cup and, and to play next to, uh, to his buddy uh, Virgil van Dijk, who was also excellent, I'd say. Um, it, you know, uh, go on. If, if he plays like this, I think he deserves to stay in that place. And uh, let's hope he can continue this.
0: Yeah, really, really encouraging, especially given our, our current situation at centre half. Um okay, Chief. we we'll wait a long enough. Let's, <laughs> let's get into it. So couple of things here on the referee. Um we had a bit of an argument about this. I thought he was I thought he if nothing was consistent in what he didn't give each side Um, and if each team is treated consistently um, within the isolation isolation, during the game of football I'm kind of okay with that Um, but there's two like absolutely blatant fouls on Salah Um, and then the other thing is the goal gets disallowed for, for what the referee was getting praised for which was letting the game flow so you kind of almost think, what's the point in letting the game flow like that? If something significant comes from it, you're going to go back and say, actually, I got that wrong. That was a file which by proxy basically says that all of the other files that I didn't give were also files during this game by the definition of the VAR. And this one happens to be different because it was a goal scored, which makes no fucking sense at all. Um but I would just like to lead, lead you in to your um, to your love letter to referees,
2: I guess. Well, ultimately you you've, you've sort of, by what you say there, you sort of highlight the issue because they are letting balls go. They're not letting the game flow because they're not fouls, and you just get up and get on with it. They are fouls, and that's what the referee is there to give. That's his whole fucking purpose. So if he's not going to give fouls, and as we know, linesmen no longer give offsides, then can we just fast forward to the point where it's all done by VAR? Yeah, can we just give the linesman the new title of corner
0: givers or flag wavers or something?
2: Yeah, flag, a flag waver and what's the referee then? Nothing. Um, easy. Wi- flag wavers and whistleblowers, that's what we've got now. Yeah, exactly. Because they're making themselves obsolete. And they're making themselves obsolete in a bid to make themselves more relevant. So it's it's kind of a fucked up vicious circle. <laughs> um. So, yeah, I mean... You can look at the the directive from if it is a directive that we're led to believe from the Premier League, which is to to be more lenient, to let the I think it's just to let the game flow is is the buzz phrase of the moment. And I suppose. That's okay to a certain extent. You there, we, we we we've all watched football over the years. So we all got to the have gotten to the point at some stage where we've thought, oh for fuck's sake, don't be given that. That's not a foul. Or, you know, or the you know, the archetypal one where the corner the corner's about to come in and before it's even reached the fucking line of the 18 yard box, the referee's blown up for a for a push or something that nobody else has seen. You know, those kind of things. Or where somebody gets, you know, gets to the ball first, kind of deliberately leaves a foot in and then goes over because they've initiated the contact, stuff like that. You think, OK, can you not see that that's ble- like Harry Kane, for example, the other day? Um, anyone? But no, those still get given. <laughs> and what doesn't get given? What, what, what things don't get given? Blatant handballs in the box last week. Uh, Rugby tackles And and wrestling moves On Mohamed Salah Um, This is one thing for you right? Just to show That um, The referee That referee in particular Is not consistent with his decisions And he does Decide essentially before games Or through the course of his life Who he's going to award fouls for And who he's not just flashed up on in the WhatsApp group there from, from Andrew Beasley, very well respected um, guy on, on, on Twitter and, and journalist and a bit of a statistician as well, does all the Liverpool stats. The only foul, and I'll just double check this and, and read the quote basically the only foul that the only free kick that Anthony Taylor has awarded Mohamed Salah in four matches. Four matches, one free kick Mohamed Salah, by the way The guy gets fouled constantly Yeah, he's the best player in the world Yeah, he gets Jack Grealish, who get the most free kicks In the fucking Premier League, yeah, because he's a fucking Young Englishman, okay Let's get that out there now Mohamed Salah, the only free kick In four times 90 Plus minutes, with the same Referee, in the same fixture Was a two-footed lunge Off the ground I think by yeah by Vincent Company and we all remember it. Company and he, sh- and he wasn't even sent off. No, he, he should have been sent for it. He sh- it was a red all day, every day, and he got a yellow for it. So, so basically, in, what
0: we're saying is, in order for Mohamed Salah to get a free kick, there has to be a red card tackle on him.
2: Well, from Anthony Taylor, certainly. Now, that's not consist consistent because he's not like that with other players. Yeah, he has a B in his bonnet for Mohamed Salah, and he won't give him a free kick. Yeah, it's, it's massively, massively against the laws of probability anyway that, that Mohamed Salah would only be awarded one free kick in four matches. From Yeah, so for it to be that tackle and for that to still not have been consequently punished, well, it speaks volumes, doesn't it? And you can quite clearly see from that evidence that Mohamed Salah will never get a, a proper free kick from Anthony Taylor, which means if you Extrapolate that that Anthony Taylor will not fairly apply the rules of the game in any way towards Mohamed Salah. So therefore, you've got a problem before the match even kicks off. Yeah, because you've got one player on one of the teams that will never get a free kick, no matter what happens. So then that that this leads us in to where we are now with with the the higher threshold, right? What that does. Is that allows referees who do have particular predilections and preconceptions and prejudices and downright biases at a certain point when it gets to something like that to hide behind this higher threshold. Yeah. And that opens up even more of a chance for corruption and even more of a chance for the for the rules not to be applied fairly and for referees to yet again escape criticism. And I'm fed up to the back teeth of these referees escaping criticism. And personally, I don't really give two flying fucks if there's no referees at grassroots level because it is—it's not to do with people wanting the rules of the game applied properly. Yeah, the reason the referees get abused, there there are lots of them—but one of the major ones is that they are untouchable. They're self-regulated. And we know what happens when self-regulation comes in, Dave. You should know. You're a banker. Come on. Things collapse. <laughs> yeah. Things collapse. The foundations crumble. Well, self-regulation is uh, no. Re- it's self-regulation
0: is is essentially deregulation.
2: Yeah, it's no regulation. Yeah, deregulation. Exactly right. So what we've allowed the referees to do in this country is set themselves up as a private organization, the only professional referee and body in Europe, pay themselves exorbitant amounts of money and shield themselves from criticism through a process of self-regulation. So is it any wonder that we have terrible referees? I would say no. And the point of the matter is, If you take it out and and, and you discuss the higher threshold and so on, well, that's fine if you want that, if people want that, if Sky want that, which they repeatedly tell us they do, because they repeatedly hammer into us how much of a better spectacle it is to watch blatant fouls go unpunished and the rules of the game that we made a mockery of. Well, do you like football, Sky? Really? Because you're butchering it. Yeah, you're making it a play thing you're fucking with the rules for enjoyment's sake and ultimately it's a serious business it might be for for your enjoyment Jeff Reeves or whoever the presenter is, might be for your enjoyment Yeah, but ultimately the people who are really involved in it the players, the managers, the coaches the fucking everybody who works at a football club everyone who works in the league it means a lot more to them than entertainment and you're fucking with their livelihood. So, quite frankly, I don't want to watch games where I can see blatant fouls happening and things are getting things are just getting let go. Yeah, a bit of rough and tumble is fine. We all know where the line can be drawn there. Yeah, and a professional referee should know better than others because That leads to debates, and that's a very loose (laughs) usage of the word. That leads to the kind of debate that you had on Sky yesterday. So anyone watching the UK would have watched it on Sky. And you've got Micah Richards there blathering absolute nonsense, talking about that's not a foul. He's let other things go. Why not let that go? Then you get the line from Guardiola. Well, I'll tell you why you don't let that go. It's the same reason why a shove in the back isn't a yellow card, and a shirt pull is. Because a shirt pull is a clear and blatant foul. There's no attempt to win the ball. You're clearly gaining an advantage, and you're clearly trying to hinder an opponent. So it's a worse foul than a wee, than a wee kick or a wee push, which isn't going to get given. Yeah. So it's a blatant foul. It definitely should be called back. And for me, the system actually worked. Really well yesterday Because VAR picked Taylor up on it But for Taylor to miss that In the first place Is pretty shocking For him to miss the fact That it was corner And for the linesman Who's at least one job Should be the signal corners If he's given that up as well They both missed that And then Allison gets the ball Kicked out of his hands And VAR said They were going to Disallow that as well But Taylor missed that too So there's three instances In that goal Which mean That it's void And yet you still have that inane and puerile debate between Mika Richards, who might be a fun guy, but not much upstairs. And Jamie Carragher, who bent over backwards not to defend Liverpool again in that instance. And it leads to a mockery being made of the actual sport and the actual game. And then you start to question yourself why the fuck you even watch it and why you care about it. So if they want to keep this game going the way it has been going and keep people involved and keep people hooked and all the rest of it, my advice would be to trust the product that you have. Trust the skill and the quality of the players who dedicate their lives to it. Stop fucking about. Okay. Stop fucking about everybody.
1: Hey, brother. Uh,
0: (laughs) Yeah. Beryl, I think just to try and get away from referees but not really get away from referees at all Um, this issue extends I know that chief will say I'm being really cautious here um, and I don't want to come across like I'm sounding like a conspiracy theorist or anything but um, that issue extends beyond Anthony Taylor around Mo Salah um, I think he, he saw like statistics flying around. Um, he gets a free kick on average once every 100 hundred minutes or something like that. Um, Zach has got more free kicks given to him in one season than Salah has had in his Liverpool career. And this is a player that constantly takes on defenders, constantly um, tears teams apart, terrifies fullbacks backs and centre halves and is targeted by opposition teams because he is that good so is this a case of a game? we find a narrative which referees buy into um, it's kind of the reverse Harry Kane syndrome where because he's the England captain um, he can do no wrong and doesn't really get any free kicks given against him, even when he's trying to break people's necks. Doesn't really ever be questioned on weird falling scenarios in the penalty area, a la ever diving the weekends. Yes, yeah, we can call it that. We can call it that cheating. We can call it that as well. Um, whereas Mohamed Salah? Is this pesky foreigner who has a who has a history of diving coming into the Premier League? Um and referees are either consciously or subconsciously influenced by that.
2: With just one second, which he doesn't actually, he didn't have that reputation. But they've manufactured the idea that he had that reputation in the first.
0: Well, that's time. what I mean. That's what I mean. They've created that. They've created that narrative. The media has created that narrative. Sky Sports has created that narrative. Um, and referees have bought into that narrative and have continuously applied that narrative to everything that Mo Salah is involved in in a game of football. Um,
1: you know, and in in, um, you know, this has happened before because and because um, Jurgen Klopp overreacted, and I think he got rightly sent off. Um, but you get this sanctimonious pleas for you know. Um, un, um, um you know, unconditional love and respect for, for referees. But if you uh, see this kind of uh, statistics and you know, uh, Andrew Beasley uh, shout out to him again um, as uh, has, you know, po- pointed out that, that in average, uh, uh, he gets, you know, he is Muhammad Salah. Gets one free kick uh, every game, you know, mm-hmm. slightly less under one even, and 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 that is uh, remarkable. Uh, if I you know if uh, if I put it n- neutrally, um, and, uh, and th- that means that s- some referees give even less and some some give a, a little more. But this is uh, you We're talking about a, a, an attacker, um, in a dominant team, uh that um, has been highly successful and, and has played lots of minutes, uh, but still gets, you know, very little free kicks. And, uh, you know, I'm, some people may know, but I'm a scientist myself and, and uh, I rely heavily on, on statistical data. And, and this would be a, quite a flag, I would say. You know, if something goes really against uh, the hypothesis, you, you know, you would have beforehand, then you would be interested to, to look into it, and you know uh, some of some of the problems uh, that chief just just pointed out, you know, w- with which I wholeheartedly agree. Um, and you know, one of the problems is that that you you can't take these statistics uh, and can't make a case of it. You know, just highlight uh, those four games that Andy Taylor um, uh, refereed, uh, and and look at. Possible fouls that were weren't given, and and the fouls that he did give, you know, the the one foul that he ge- did give uh, correction, uh, and and you could make a case, but against whom and uh, who would be the party uh, of the defendant? There is not uh, some sort of um, procedure that you can follow as a club that in with with which you can can you know argue your case that the, the refereeing is not going. Uh, like you would like it to go in the, the sense that, you know, uh, which, which, with which I don't mean I would like to get lots of free kicks and, and, and none against us. That's not what I mean. But, you know, the, the refereeing, it, if we look at the principle of things, we like football and we want football to be played and we want it to be fair and we would like players not to be injured. So we need some system in which we, you know, like you just said, you know, if if, if it's if you, if you regulate yourself, then there is no regulation. So if uh, footballers have to regulate their own game, then no, it it wouldn't work. So we need someone to uh, enforce the, the the rules that we all all have um, subscribed to beforehand. Uh, and if that doesn't happen, then you know. Uh, who could we tell, and who could we ask to do to look into this? So, if um, referees are not uh, under any scrutiny uh, except for the scrutiny that they allegedly have for themselves, then you know th- there is a problem there. So, if Darren England doesn't as as the VAR uh, the VAR in duty. At uh, the Arsenal game, doesn't spot uh, a, a very blatant handball by Gabriel. Uh, so, uh, how does that then uh, have a consequence for him if he is again the VAR at the Manchester, uh, you know, Liverpool uh, versus uh, Manchester City game? Uh, it's 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 very strange in any walk of life uh, to make lots of mistakes and uh, and mistakes and not suffer any consequences. So in the case of 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 Mohamed Salah, I, I can only uh, hypothesise what what's going on here, and, and you know it, it could be it could have something to do with uh, him not being a, a native Englishman. Uh, it could be um, deeper than that, and you know um, his his identity as an uh, as an Arab, uh, as an Egyptian, as a Muslim. I don't know, and it, it all of this would be speculation, but. Uh, the fact of the matter is these stats don't add up and, and there is something wrong here and I don't know who we can um call and, and and ask to look into this. I think that's the real problem.
0: Yeah, probably only the Ghostbusters, but <laughs> <laughs> um okay, look, I know we haven't talked loads of football and we're not gonna talk any more football really. Um there's a weird turn of events around this fixture we know there is a bit of animosity that's been created um, we know that there have been you know, issues on and off the pitch within this fixture but this turn of events was kind of you know the, the touch paper was lit when a journalist asked Klopp about team ceilings about um state funded um football clubs and you know his comments uh were rational logical factual um when he said that there were three essentially three teams in the country that had no ceiling or three teams in the world that had no ceiling um it came across to some people as clock moaning, which if you actually had listened to the interview, as opposed to just read things on Twitter, he wasn't moaning. He was very, very relaxed about it. He was just stating it as like a cold, hard fact.
2: That's the way it is. You know, that's life and life. People
0: is have trouble there. with
2: facts. So people really have trouble with facts. Yeah, especially
0: these days they do. Um, but that has now been weaponized. Almost by by Manchester City, by using that to excuse the chanting from Manchester City fans um, about the Hillsborough disaster, at well, the and there, this this to me, the money aside, is it's a very
2: concerning turn of events. It's um, it's 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 classic PR. It's classic PR from a club that can manipulate and tries to manipulate any kind of difficult situation that it's in and what it shows straight off the bat is the lack of moral fibre that runs through the club so instead of trying to make excuses for it front up yeah condemn your fans for chanting about the worst disaster in British football history for chanting about and gloating about the death of 97 football fans and the subsequent establishment and police cover-up for which the poor families have still never received true justice because it was another whitewash as soon as it went to criminal proceedings and the, the next phase of the establishment closing ranks. It's absolutely detestable And for media outlets to even give that air is also detestable. It's not impartial. It's not showing both sides of the story. It's giving airtime to feeble, lame and pretty much appalling excuses. Jurgen Klopp's asked a, a, a question about the finances in football, and he gives a perfectly honest answer. And you can listen, you can you can point at the owners of other football clubs, even ours. And you can say, well, you know, they're they're also not very nice people. They're also billionaires. They're also hedge fund managers. They're also more interested in money than they are in X, Y and Z. And that's maybe fair enough. It's certainly not desirable that most of the football clubs in the Premier League are owned by foreign parties, uh, and owned by foreign parties that essentially just want to make money. But that's where we are because that's what the Premier League itself, that body, is all about. Yeah, money. All it cares about is money. When
0: we come back to the thing we were talking about earlier on, Chief. What is the Premier League? It's a
2: self-regulated. Body, absolutely. And again, it shouldn't be nothing. Nothing in this world should be self-regulated, but except for the except for the the average human being. But um, well, the comes, average human being isn't self-regulated, so you know what? We'll not even go down that rabbit hole. Yeah, well, essentially, we are these days. We're, we self-police all the time, but um, sensible people do that anyway, and. You know, ultimately, without sort of going off on a tangent here, the Premier League, it's so Newcastle were the Newcastle owners, for example, were were knocked back. The the government, I think, knocked them back. I can't remember who it was, but I think the government didn't want the, the government of Saudi Arabia getting involved, and they were they couldn't buy it for a couple of years. Remember, then the Premier League basically moved heaven and earth. To change that decision And you know What do we have to do To get this changed And they Found out what they had to do And they dotted the I's And they crossed the T's And they found the loopholes And they jumped right through them And lo and behold Saudi Arabia Now own Newcastle And that's all well and good Because right now Newcastle are 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 a fun team And You know You like to 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 see them Have a bit of success After the, the Mike Ashley regime And so on But the fact Get this The fact that Newcastle owners or Newcastle fans, sorry, celebrated and are happy that they've been bought over by one of the most amoral regimes that's that's ever ever been in power, set up and funded by the by the British. Don't forget, but um, but one of the most amoral regimes that, that's ever ruled. Um, is again a testament to what the Premier League allowed to happen in terms of club ownership allowing people like Mike Ashley for example who again had no interest in football no interest in the in the in the club of of the city where he bought in the city of the club which he bought sorry no interest in the fans no interest in the culture but they allowed him to essentially come in and, and almost destroy uh, a football institution uh, certainly rip the soul out of it and and kind of keep it buried for for a decade almost. Um, so you get Newcastle fans celebrating a, a fucking bloodthirsty regime taking over their club. And the reason why is money. But it's also off the back of the fact that they've had such an awful time being being run by a penny pension asset stripper, essentially, who was only interested in promoting his, his other business. So. We are where we are, and the reason we are where we are is because, again, as you say, self-regulation. Nobody's doing the proper tests. Nobody cares enough. Yeah. So for Klopp to be asked the question, I'm not sure exactly what the question was, but if he gives an answer that says nobody else in this league, except for potentially Newcastle, has the opportunity to compete with Manchester City on a level playing field, He is 100% factually correct. There are teams that can compete with City and teams that can compete with Newcastle, but it's not a level playing field. They don't have the same resources. They don't have the same financial backing. They don't have the same political backing, and they don't have the same wherewithal in terms of clout to get themselves out of trouble, to hire the best lawyers, to infiltrate bodies, and therefore have uh, people who will be speaking up for them on those bodies, they just don't have them. And for people to get their fucking knickers in a twist, for want of an old phrase, um, over something which is quite clear and obvious to anybody with with a modicum of um, knowledge about. Who owns Premier League clubs and and how they work is is completely bizarre. I mean, but it, it, I mean it's typical because it's led by the media who pick up on something, twist it, try to make it into a story, run with it, try to get clicks and so on. But for people to be so easily swept up into the debate instead of just saying, yeah, well he's just told the truth there, we move on. Yeah, well symptom- this is it, That's it. Yeah. This,
0: this is it. This is it. Um, and there was, God, some of the shite I saw on Twitter about, well, Klopp, Klopp spent record fees in every position. He bought Van Dyke for £75 million. That's fine. That's grand. Um, he's been there seven years. And he's got Joe Gomez, Joel Matter, who were both basically not paid for, certainly not by him a um, lover in there, he stuck on with forever and ever he's Andy that Robbo takes. at left back yeah, mm-hmm. Robbo left back Trent right back and we don't even need to get into the money that City have spent on, on full backs, fuck's sake one of them is in jail isn't he, or well awaiting be, a wait, yes, awaiting sentencing so you know the thing here is Beryl that um It's missing the point entirely because the fact remains is that no matter how much money Liverpool spend, no matter how much money Manchester United spend or Chelsea spend, they will always be able to be outspent by Manchester City and Newcastle easily without any consideration to... Balancing books, sacrificing other areas of the pitch, you know, putting other projects, be it stadium expansion or training facilities on hold in order to do it. Um, they don't have to do this. So all of this nonsense that's being talked around, you know, Klopp moaning, and it shouldn't be moaning because he has gone and spent X, Y and Z. Don't forget City have done this with very few outgoings until uh, up until this point the wages that they're able to pay, the aids and fees that they're able to, to, to pay. Um, and this turns the debate away from what the actual issue is, which for me is what will ultimately be the removal of any sort of competitive um, aspect to Premier League football outside of the top two, the same way it is in France, the same way it is in Germany.
1: Yeah, uh, you know, um, Ian Wright said it, uh, someone who I have a lot of time for, you know, uh, Arsenal legend, but also, you know, uh, I think a a good man. Um, And and he said it, if it weren't for Liverpool, if it weren't for, you know, Klopp's Liverpool, then um, the league would have been um, swept up uh, by, uh, by Manchester City. You know, w- without uh, even a fight because, you know, we, we only managed it once. Uh, should have managed it, I think, three times, but, yeah. Um, and and, uh, and and all of this is, is coming <laughs> and maybe he jinxed it. Uh, all of this is happening right now. You know, Liverpool are no beggars. We, we have spent money, but, you know, if you look at it, it in relative terms in, in you know, um, Premier, league money then we have not spent uh you know not nearly as spent as much as uh, our uh, uh, so-called top six uh, um, contenders um it, we haven't even spent as much as, as everton you know t- to to name uh, just a club that you know uh, knows how to spend money but uh, doesn't know how to spend money uh, <laughs> so it's 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 um, you know, the the issue is not uh, how much money do you spend. The issue is how much money can you spend and, and even uh, within the regulations of the of the Premier League, which are geared towards um, facilitating all of these, you know, money grabbers and, uh, you know, all of these investors, uh, excuse me, who, you know, are just in it for the money, but, you know, the Premier League wants this money, so they are facilitating them. But then even their rules are not followed by, uh, you know, um, I don't know how Newcastle is doing it at this moment. But, you know, Manchester City has been in breach for a couple of times. And this is documented. And the only way they got off at the UEFA was by having better lawyers. Um and you know by uefa making somehow making some 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 form um, mistakes um, uh, and 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 uh, so you know which meant that Manceti got off the hook um, the, you know the latest is and uh, uh, it, it, I, I, the 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 website is called josimar if, if i'm not mistaken but you know it, it's it's a collective of of uh, uh, journalists uh, who look at football, but not in this, you know, tribalist way, uh, and not not following the, the narrative of this, you know, this this tribalism, um, which is you know the only way you can discard what 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 Klopp says as moaning. And they looked into into one of the latest uh, uh, sponsorships uh, deals with with uh, that that Manchester City has is, is uh, I, I believe it calls 8x Bet. Um, which is allegedly some firm, some betting firm from uh, Southeast Asia, Malaysia, I believe. But if you look into it, there, there is no firm and there is no betting activity. Uh, the only thing you have is, I believe Teddy Sheringham um, um, you know, with some videos talking about the Premier League, but that, that, that's it. Uh, but still, they they managed to to uh, sponsor Manchester City with you know lots of money, uh, and you know someone else should look into this. Uh, someone who's interested in this and uh, has uh, uh, you know uh, uh, the, the the proper um, function to, to to look to look into this. Um, but if you would want to look into this, you would see that there's probably something going wrong here that. Uh, even Manchester City, you know, is is creating money somewhere um, uh, to uh, s- somehow nominally uh, qualify for the FFP standards, or you know the the the, the, the sort of FFP standards that uh, that uh, the Premier League has. So they're cheating in every way, and and this means that they. Can you know have someone else uh, to fill in for 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 Walker if if he's um, uh, injured, which he is right now, and they they, they can buy uh, Haaland. and 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 this is this is something that, that really gets me. People are pointing out that that Darwin Nunez his transfer fee was uh, you know bigger than it was uh, uh, for for Haaland. but uh, in, in this process they're they're. I think willfully forgetting the fact that there was there were some other funds that you need to also need to have um the, the sums that uh, you know the late Mino Raiola wanted and uh, the, the, uh, uh, Alf Inge Haaland also wanted uh plus the 40 immense. million or something he got. Yeah it's <laughs> And as if that isn't money, as if that isn't money that you don't have to pay because it's not the the, the transfer fee. It's, it's it's ludicrous. It's like, uh, you know, if you if you buy something that you say, yeah, the the the, the VAT uh, tax doesn't count or something like that. It's you you have to pay it, right? Uh, and plus the the salaries that he has, and and if if we look at the salaries, we we don't even see what. They are being paid, you know, all of these players plus Pep Guardiola. This is documented. Are being paid, um, you know, um, which isn't on the books. Um, if 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 everybody wants to turn a blind eye on it, you know, because of tribalism, because it's it's the the manager of Liverpool, you know, okay, fine by me, you know, you're welcome, but. Uh, it's not only Liverpool everybody you know Manchester United is a real club um, and you know partly being ruined by some uh, some and idiots from from uh, from the United States that know don't know anything about football but it, it's still a club with, with real fans with you know with with a real history um, and they can't even compete with this um, there's you know there's all this culture going 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 to be uh, obliterated by this you know the, the and the sports is going to be obliterated by the, by this and if, if people don't care about it yeah you know again just because of tribalism that's that would really be a pity and uh, if they would just listen to the message and not to you know it it being Klopp and it being coming from Liverpool. Then they would probably have to say he is one hundred percent right.
0: Yeah, well, you know, it, it, there. It feels to me that there are there are things afoot here that extend beyond football, and I think we all know what what they are. Curious tonight that. Um, Neither Liverpool, who got to the Champions League final, won two domestic cups and lost out in the Premier League by a point, nor Real Madrid, who had the most incredible run to a Champions League victory probably ever, um, have not won Ballon d'Or Team of the Year. Manchester City have won Ballon d'Or Team of the Year. Now I'm not sure on what... Um, Are you kidding me? <laughs> what? Are you kidding me? It's, no, it's, no, oh
2: no. Yeah, God. the level, the level of financial corruption is, is, oh, incredibly worrying, and it, it's massively concerning. It really is,
0: you know. And it's, it's my, it's just a stupid award that nobody really cares about. But again, this is just, this is just. It, an extension of the overall um, objective of these, of these nation states' purpose
2: of owning a well, football it would, club. It would lead you to question, quite logically and rationally, the validity of anything in the game. Because if people are willing at um, federation level, and at a uh, governing body level like FIFA to take the money and sacrifice the, the standard of the game and the quality of the enjoyment for fans, which they are. And this World Cup in Qatar is is a shining example of that. And there have been many others, but this is this is this takes the biscuit. Um and Manchester City can can essentially also, or clubs with that amount of money can essentially rig even even the, the the bodies which are essentially supposed to to hand out punishments and escape punishment on that level if they can get their way to to team of the year when they all they managed to do was win the Premier League by one point um, didn't win anything else um, then then you wonder at what what level does it Does it permeate to if it goes all the way up, then why not at lower levels? Why not referees, for example? So. There'll be people who sit out there and say, ah, what are you talking about? Complete conspiracy. It's not a a theory. I don't I don't think that this is necessarily happened, but you would logically. If you have an inquiry in mind. Lead yourself down that path or be led down that path. Because if it's good, for it would be
1: nice not to-
2: exactly. If it's good for the goose, then why isn't it good good enough for the gander? Of course, it is. So it's massively worrying that this is allowed to happen. And it's ma- it, what's even more worrying is that when somebody comes out and simply says it how it is without really a degree of. of vitriol or animosity or or moaning as you said it was
0: quite or, or even or even emotion really, Chief, when he delivered that
2: that a, answer. Yeah, simply matter of fact statements and answers. For that then to be twisted and debated and and the validity validity of it to not only be questioned, but essentially to be ignored basically in the debate that follows is Hugely, it was, worse, it was worse. It was worse, actually. it wasn't ignored, it was trivialized. Yeah, there you go. It's a brilliant word, and it's exactly what it is. Like they trivialize everything these days. This is a big deal. This means a lot to a lot of people. It costs millions of people tons of money, all their money, to go and follow the teams and buy the shirts and buy the tickets and fly here and there. And
1: but chief. Chief, there there are lots of things that matter to lots of lot of people, but if you divide them, uh, or if you you know make them believe that they don't need to find, um, um, I, I could say you know I could use the word union to um, to, to to combine their their griefs and grievances and and you know their their common interests uh to to make things better then you know that's the way to go forward if you you know if you are the dividing force
2: classic divide and conquer isn't it divide and rule and uh, football fans need to get wise to it and unfortunately football is always a microcosm of society and, and the wider society needs to get wise to it as well because it happens not just in in football but football's a fabulous example of how people who have exactly the same grievances, exactly the same interests. The only difference is the color of shirt that they wear, or the or the city that they come from, perhaps. But everything else about a football fan from London to 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 Aberdeen, across to Wales, and you go around the world, all the same, all the same, and. The fact that it's so hard for them to combine on issues, and, and they do sometimes, and we do manage it sometimes, and we get somewhere when we do that. The fact that it's always so difficult to pull people together, to see this is, and this goes back, you know, you can reference Hillsborough again here. This was not about Liverpool. It was about football and the way football fans were treated and dismissed. And their concerns and and characterized characterized their concerns trivialized and ignored that led to that disaster and would lead would lead to others, would have led to another one. And it almost led to one in, in, in Paris just three months ago. So these things are still happening, you know, and the more we allow them to happen and the more we allow the, the, the money to take over the game and the authorities to just piss away what means so much to all of us. The last chance we ever have of getting it back or of saving it, so. Yeah, I mean, we've gone a long way from from Klopp's comments, but ultimately it's a man who was asked a question and delivered a truthful answer. And the level of the debate that's followed has been, frankly, embarrassing and and more than concerning, um, downright, downright worrying, essentially. And, and it makes you wonder if any of the people who are supposed to be looking after the game or even commentating on the game or uh, delivering opinions on the game really, really care about it, actually. Um, or if they're more concerned about their clicks and their reads and whether 15-year-olds who can't stay off TikTok for longer than five seconds are interested in the game or not. Um, you, you've got serious, serious problems. So... Something has to give at some point, and, and whether it is just the Liverpool break and Man City go on and win the next 10 titles and everyone just sacks football off, who knows what it'll be, but, but something, something's something got to give.
0: Yeah, so let's try and move away from the depression of this state of the modern game. Um, it's West Ham on Wednesday night, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, West Ham Wednesday night. Um, so, uh, they're all give me a team
1: and give me a score. I haven't watched West Ham this season uh, even once. But, uh, you know, going, going on what they were last season, uh, I hope uh, Alison. I hope Trent, because, you know, he was back. Um, uh, in this system, I, I think it would work. Uh, I hope Gomez, I hope Virgil. Um, it could be Robertson or Simikas. Uh, midfield, I think uh, Ali did really well. But yeah, he was, good. he was really good, wasn't
0: he?
1: Yeah, but still I was nervous. <laughs> and I thought, you know, um, attacking, he didn't offer a lot. He had even two chances, I would say, he could have done more. Um, you know given everything he did to protect Milner and to you know go forward and come back I think he he really deserves lots of credit for that but maybe you know it means that we need someone else in there another body uh, it could be Cavallo like um, um, in the game against city it could be Henderson of course uh, Fabinho, Tiago um, I think, it's it's a really good thing to have uh, Salah uh, in uh, centrally, uh, so I would like to see him there and, uh, you know, behind him. In, uh, 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 Firmino had lots of good games. I, I thought against City he wasn't, he, you know, that good, but... Um, you know, he is uh, he is a better second striker or a 10 than Darwin is. And and still, we don't have Jota, so maybe he needs to play from the left. So I would say Sala, Firmino, and then uh, Darwin. That's it. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah.
1: Score, uh, man. They're not very good. Score, yeah. We, we, yeah, let's let's just go and beat them. And uh, I, I like the clean sheet, so 2-0. Yeah, I like 2-0 as well. Um,
0: Chief, your big mate, Nunez, looks like no option but to stick him maybe out the left-hand side.
2: Well, that's it. Um, and Nunez showed uh, a little bit of everything when he came on. So there were he did a lot of good things, but when it came to the finishing... It was poor, and uh, your cabbage, your cabbage shout was 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 seconded by a couple of people, and yeah, <laughs> listen, a couple of it the, was it, a little bit of a joke with a, a little, it was a little bit of you know
0: uh, exaggeration week. for comedic yeah. effect in there, but like you know, I'm worried, and that has done nothing but nothing to alleviate my concerns.
2: No, I mean, I can I can understand that that he, he's incredibly raw and um, the nerves and whatever got to him and the finishing was was way off particularly that uh i don't know you know the one i mean where you can't even describe really what it, what it was he sort of tries he, like, to look he it like flicks, him.
0: flicks it over the keeper and then he falls over
2: yeah <laughs> and it's not going anywhere near the net or anything. yeah no
0: was,
2: but, i think Cancelo, i think Cancelo walks back and and stops it before yeah. it stops
0: the ball before it
2: stops yeah you know? it, was a, it was really a nothing and there was the other one where he's where he's Leading it, what is it, a three on one? A three and on he, one. He's got he to pick out Salah, you know, and he's just desperate for his goal. And the, the finish, I think, gets blocked in the end. And you know, it wasn't, uh, it certainly wasn't one for the one for the cameras. Um, but he he does basically have to start him, and I, I think that's a good thing because I think he'll get now three, four, five games uh, before the World Cup, and he get a chance to play himself into believing that he should be there and into, into really into settling in because you can sort of talk all you want uh but chances and and this and that but he's hardly played any minutes i think he's he's played less than 500 minutes so far um and what's that like it's less than less than five games um or just about five games um so 590 minutes, so it, it's nothing, it's it's no sample size, so the only way to feel that you've settled, or you are settling, is to play, and to play regularly, so I think it would be a good thing I, I would agree with Birol's t- team, basically, it's uh, Trent should come back in I think, uh, it, I'd imagine it's Gomez and, and Van Dijk at centre back, and, and that would be brilliant, because a chance for them to to kind of re-establish that partnership, which was so strong, uh, possibly the best partnership out of uh, all the, the great centre backs we've got, but when those two played together alongside each other, they were they were fantastic. And again, we saw on Sunday that they, they've still got it when they're playing together. Uh, I think Carvalho might come in in that. In that, uh, I'm not. Sh- I think Henderson comes back in, uh, and I'm not sure whether one of Fabinho or um, Tiago gets the rest.
0: Um, I think Henderson. I think Henderson comes in for Fabinho, given the centre
2: back issue at the minute. Yeah, could could well be. I think Henderson definitely plays. I think Carvalho could get that third spot, and it's not midfield anymore. Could get the, the fourth the fourth attacking spot, shall we say? Um, just in place of Elliot, because I, I think Elliot has a good game and gives it everything. Um, but I think maybe Carvalho gets a gets a shot in there, and, and then you've got the three up front. It's the only three we have fit: Darwin, Salah, and, and Bobby. And I think it's a, a, good, a certainly a good enough team to to beat West Ham. It's at home as well, I think, isn't it? Yes, because it's a re it's, it's a game in hand. It's a rearranged game, I think, or it's yeah, maybe not, no, it's
0: but, not a rearranged game. It was always meant to it was be. The midweek because I was I, my mate's a West Ham fan and he generally is mates a, my mate's a West Jesus Christ. My mate's a West Ham fan. He has a a mutual friend that lives in Liverpool and he would go to the game so they would go to the West they would go to West Ham at Anfield um pretty much every year. So I was gonna go this year until it's it West, Anfield, oh, isn't it? Yeah, until yeah. it was a Wednesday night so that's how I know it was a Wednesday night. So
2: Sorry, but that was very, very boring. Convoluted answer there. (laughs) But uh, no, I think we should have enough. West Ham have not been in great form. I think they drew with Southampton there at the weekend. I know that they've started off pretty poorly, um, not being able to to continue their form from last season. Um, We should have enough for them. I also was listening, I think I was listening to the Anfield rap earlier, and who was it said? Phil Blundell, I think, said that they've been playing Fullbacks at centre-half this season because they've got no fit centre-backs so that could be helpful, particularly with Salah in the form that he's in and and Darwin on the pitch Um, so yeah, turn up beat them because great as that fabulous performance and win against City was it means nothing if we don't do the business against West Ham and then take the points against Forest at the weekend as well and if we can do that, take nine points from three Premier League games in a week um, then we're not quite out of this season just yet Anything less than that And you sort of feel that, that you are So it's a must win it Sort of goes without saying And uh, yeah, obviously I would fancy us to do it Okay, score? Score?
0: Mm, 3-0 Oh, nice 3-0 would be lovely Okay, lads, thanks for joining me Um On the West Ham Until next time, up the most salad never gets filed, ever, 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 ever reads.